0: Are you looking for the magic to make your life truly count? Do you want the secret formula to make every day your best day yet? Hello and welcome to the Finishing on Fire radio show. And now, here are your show hosts, Dave Wadsworth and Greg Vance. I'm
1: excited for our episode today because we are talking about no retreat. And uh, in my book, uh, Finishing on Fire, uh, Amazon bestseller, it talks about that. Actually, inside the cover, and I just thought about this, Uh uh, I was going to put, I I put a picture of what I originally wanted as as a cover. Well, one of the originals. And it has a tombstone here. And you can see it's, it's, uh, you know, on the tombstone, it says, rest in peace. And you put your name there. Okay. And then it says, no regrets. No Reservations and No Retreat. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I like that because it's just a reminder of how we live our life. And we've talked about, you know, no regrets and no reservations. But now we're on the No Retreat.
2: I think it'll be really good to talk about this one. This isn't necessarily one that comes up very often, at least in podcasts I listen to. So hopefully this will be, you know, really helpful for our listener.
1: I, I like the way... Um, you've kind of had a, a subtitle here. It says um, no retreat or isolation from life and people. And, and that's a good way to put it. Isolation uh, from life and people. And, and, and when you retreat, you're basically doing that. You're, you're cutting off and you're backing away from, you're retreating from life and mm-hmm. you're retreating from people. And that's just a sad, sad state to be in. And you can't finish on fire when you're in a position of, of retreat uh, in your life. So, so I like the way you put that, put that there. You
2: you know, since you brought that up in the past, we talked a little bit about my coaching practice, you know, as a career and business coach. Yes. There is a segment of people that I work with that, um, that uh, I do through uh, another organization. Uh, I help out that organization and provide coaching services to them. And that segment is people that are essentially in um, deep financial trouble and they're, uh, either, they're very close to uh, being in arrears with their mortgages. And so oh. they've worked with their mortgage companies. Their mortgage companies have signed them up for this coaching package in order to get them reemployed again, so it's a win-win. The you know the the person I'm working with um, hopefully gets to keep keep their home. They get to stay yeah. in their home while they're in the package, and the mortgage company doesn't have to foreclose on it. You know everybody's happy. They get reemployed. Life moves on. It's a really great model. But in thinking of that, you know when someone's dealing with a super financial crisis like that, and it creates other issues in their life. Um, you know, they, it could have been the result of a health issue. Um, the stress maybe caused some marital strain. And so a lot of times when I work with them, I can feel in some of our conversations. and we talk about it, of course, how they have pulled away from a lot of people, maybe even their spouse. They're not talking through things. It's a, you know, it's, it's a, uh, can be kind of a gray, dark place to be sometimes.
1: Yeah, you know, and I talk about that in the book a little bit, how I had gone through a period of time, and I called it a a deep, dark, soul-crushing valley uh, of despair. It it just, um, it's almost like a death spiral. Uh, You know, one thing adds to another thing that leads to another thing, and, and before you know it, you're you, you are, you're withdrawing and, and financial pressures are huge uh, in your life. Okay. The uncertainty mm-hmm. is, is huge. Okay. And so the, actually in that situation, you're talking about, there's a lot of pressure. Well, on the bank, they don't want to repo a house. They don't, you know, that's a Mm-mm. pain in the butt. Right. Um, the 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 person there is feeling the crush of that, you know, financial pressure and then you as a coach and, and you're really good. You've got a lot of experience in the career meets purpose. The career meets purpose and you're really good at coaching people through this. Okay. You've seen everything and, and I'm I'm proud of you because you've helped a lot of people but but there's pressure on you because you're kind mm-hmm. of squeezed between the bank and and the person that's in trouble. And you're you're kind of the glue or the uh the lubricant so to speak between the two hard places. Mm. okay and so it's like you know you're you're kind of uh, trying to perform for both ends because you want to help the bank you want to help you know the people in need and and you're a people person you you really uh, like to add value you know Absolutely. to people and you've done that so so that's that's a cool thing so um, I know uh, the points we have here we talked about you know you need to stay in the game and avoid uh, getting disconnected when things are not going your way uh, and 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 that's hard when you're in those situations, that's hard to do, Uh, but you got to be a person of action. So Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really important. So um, well, go ahead, Greg.
2: Yeah. I was going to say to think about that a little bit more, you know, um, especially we've talked a lot about relationships. We're going to talk about more, you know, in some future episodes as well. And there's this, there's just this human um, human trait, I guess it is, most people, when they get into a jam, they, they pull away from others mm-hmm. when there's so many other people that are around them, whether they're family, their spouse, maybe even coworkers, people at church that really care about them. I would be happy to help, but they don't know because that person's pulled so far away. And so a, a couple of things that I find are helpful is just to help that person that I'm working with. Um, you know, take stock of whether really, where they're at, you know, what's still going right. It really, yeah. You know, maybe something going wrong, but there's a lot of things going right. But who can they really get reconnected with? You know, we're not even talking about the job at this point, we're just trying to help them have a support system around them, so that they can be people to cheer them on, maybe help make some contacts for them and some things like that. But often what once people can get re-engaged what they really need is they need a plan forward and you know that can come from a good friend you and I've worked through things together and so uh, that's just one of those things that a relationship can really help with
1: yeah yeah well and, and and the thing is when you're in a in a financial crisis which it is it's a crisis you uh, it seems like your your vision becomes very limited mm-hmm. and uh you can't see um, all the options because you're, you're so focused and, and, and afraid you're, you're in a, a state of fear yep. and, and fresh eyes and a fresh mind and someone uh, with a caring heart um, can see that they can see so many options that you cannot see. And so if you can just lay out very simple, even baby steps, mm-hmm. OK, just one or two of them. To get them moving, because I know you made a note here, you know, be a person of action. And I found that in my life. uh, I've dealt, which is amazing to me, but I've dealt with depression in my my past. And I've struggled with that, which is, it it doesn't make sense to me because I'm a fun guy. I have more Mm -hmm. friends than anybody I know. I I mean, it just doesn't make sense. But I know that chemical imbalance, especially in the wintertime when the days are short and dreary and and cold and dark, it's just like, oh, my gosh, it kind of grips you. But um, one thing I found when you're struggling with something like that is just action. You need to mm-hmm. do something. Get up, out of your chair, out of your bed, out of your home, and move. And, and, and just the simplest thing. Right. Uh, my dad, you know, taught me that years ago when I was struggling as a teenager. He says, Dave, you know, you need to get out and go. Go out and be with your friends. Go, just go. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he says, Now's the time. You need to. Right. you got to take action. And I, I will remember that forever from my dad. You know, he was a great man. <laughs> but, uh, matter of fact, I dedicated this book to, to my dad. Uh, Finishing on Fire is actually dedicated to my dad because uh, the great inspiration he was to me and, and so forth. But yeah, taking that action, I, I think, Greg, is, is, is a key. And, yes. and you lay out that first step and the second step. But, you know, people in that position they don't need much. They just need a little bit of, of light, you know, to, for the next step. Cause they can't see very far. They're, they're, they're very narrow in their focus. So, so yeah. good point. Good point. Great
2: advice. Great advice by your, uh, by your dad. That's uh that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't even have to be anything related as he talked to you about related to whatever the area or the issue is. It's just, it's just getting back, getting back in the game, as we're talking about getting some activity getting some wins and those wins can lead to bigger wins. It's, it's really important. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah. I, you know, one thing I've done here, um, lately I've started this, uh, a TikTok account. It's a little short one minute videos mm-hmm. and every day I just give a one minute. Um, it's, I'm called the attitude answer, man. Okay. It's like attitude underscore answer, man. And I go on and I do some, uh, a one minute video on positivity, having a good attitude, smiling, being kind to people, uh, just just simple acts, very simple acts, but uh, uh, an injection, basically a shot of, of positivity mm-hmm. every day. And I try to I put that out there. And I just try to encourage people. Some of it, I <laughs> do it for myself to encourage myself, but it really is. People need to hear, uh, you know, the encouragement. They need to hear that little shot of, of positivity, and that's why I try to do on this this TikTok because it's very short, sweet, to the point. And every day there's something different in my life that I run into, and I'm like, oh, and I make a little video of it, and I post it on TikTok. And so far, it's been, you know, thousands and thousands of viewers that have actually viewed my videos, and that's exciting to me to be able to help people, you know, not retreat not to isolate, but if they are in, in that position, that, that, you know, rock and a hard place position, you know, maybe a, a few of these videos, they watch those and they're like, wow, he's got a good point. Okay. I need to do mm-hmm. that. So I'm, you know um, I like to be that person to, to uh, encourage and help people make that little step, whatever it is. So. Yeah.
2: You do a great job on those videos. They're uh, they are uplifting, <laughs> inspiring. So if somebody's, uh, so we have a listener on here today, wh- what's the uh, handle again that you have that you're under?
1: Yeah, uh, I, I go under the Attitude Answer Man. So it's attitude
0: Perfect.
1: underscore answer man, you know, and so uh, that's yeah. the one and, and you just look that up and, and you'll see, you know, Dave Wadsworth and, and I always introduce him. <laughs> this is the way I start out, Greg. I say good morning because I always like to say good morning for some reason. That's always been something. So good morning. I say, good morning. This is Dave Wadsworth, your Attitude Answer Man, and I have more good news for you. And I just I just like that as an intro every time that puts my name out there. It gives people kind of a spark and also the idea that there's more good news because a lot of times what's coming at us. I mean, hard and heavy is, is negative, negative, negative news and, and just the, uh, the bloody and ugly. And I just, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm doing every day, every day, every day. And I just, um, hopefully, I'm really touching lives because like I said, thousands and thousands of people have viewed my videos so far. And by the mm-hmm. time this actual airs, you know, this episode airs, it's going to be, you know, uh, you know, well into the tens of thousands that, you know, have viewed those. So
2: absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, um, I think you had some, uh, words of wisdom. We wanted to pass along to people today. You want to roll with that or you want me to?
1: Why don't you go ahead, Greg? That's, uh, that's something that you come up with as far as the, uh, uh, you know, the wording and stuff. And I think it's really good you, you brought it out of, uh, uh, the NASB version of the Bible. So,
2: Okay. Yeah, so, we, uh, so if you're listening to the podcast today, obviously you are. <laughs> you're hearing our voices. Uh, we thought this would be helpful for you. Um, for those of you that have um, uh, at least read some of the Bible, this part will probably be uh, fairly familiar for you. But this is Ephesians 6, 13 through 14. Those verses in the NASB, as Dave said. And so I'm going to read it. I don't have it memorized. Therefore... Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Those are some heavy words there.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of heavy words. I I think the point was, you know, what the main thing was this is if you've done all you can do and you're in a position, it's like, Oh my gosh, I just, you know, I can't go any further. I cannot move another muscle. I can't, I can't take another step. I want to retreat. I want to, you know, pull back, Uh but here in this, it says uh, once you've done everything you can do, it says having done everything stand firm. Well, just stand there. Okay. Yeah. You don't know your next step. Okay but stand, stand firm and don't, don't waver. Don't, don't step backwards. Just stand and think and pray and, and, and look around for the next step. And, and I, I really like that stand firm. So that's a good one. I appreciate that, Greg.
2: Yeah. You just made me think of something else. You know, a lot of times people, you may have heard this Quote was I'm going to butcher it probably, but when, <laughs> <laughs> when people because I just thought of it here, but when people um, they'll say when you're unsure of your next step, you know you don't know the exact next step, right? Just consider what would likely be a small next step that you could take. Oh, and that's do that And to do that one, so you don't yeah. need the takeaway is you don't need to have to know the perfect full burdened, you know full picture next step instead you can sometimes just take small minute next steps that will get you to the next understanding of that next step
1: oh i like that i like that i tell you what that reminds me of andy andrews andy andrews uh, my favorite author um mm. he talks about uh you know people that are stuck and and they're mm. they're standing there and they're like okay i don't know my next step and he said well okay so you don't know your next step but if you did uh, what do you think it might be if you took a guess exactly just a guess, what would that next step be and he said they say and he says usually they'll kind of hum around and then they'll say well i would you know probably do this and he says well then do that
2: do it yeah <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> i just love Andy andrews he is awesome oh my gosh his, yes, book, his podcast uh he's just a remarkable man a good man and uh, yeah he he just he's funny he's he's really a hilarious guy <laughs> no, <laughs> he, he actually did a whole bunch of stand-up uh comic stuff you know his life was amazing uh, you know growing up and as a teenager losing his both his parents mm-hmm. within six months of each other and then becoming homeless living under a, a fishing pier down on the, around gulf shores alabama and then um and then, coming through and coming through and now he's a, a best-selling author uh he's been uh invited to the white house four times by four different presidents he's been there and entertained wow um he's um he toured with so many people like uh, joan rivers he was opening act for joan rivers for a couple years uh for kenny rogers who just passed away not too long ago uh they were buddies and he toured with them he'd been with um I think share just a little bit, uh, Garth Brooks. I think, I mean, just so many people, mm-hmm. and he's just—he's really uh, changed a lot of lives. He—he's b- brought what he says is perspective
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: to life, and this retreat goes right in with that. No retreat is—is is huge in, in his message, and, and the way you—you you know, bringing that up—that was such a good point because it reminds me of Andy saying, "Well." Yeah. What would the next step be? You know, if you don't know what it is, but you think, and and I, I like that, and and I think that's the way we need to 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 think is well, yeah, we don't know that next step. Well, well, you got, you know, what would it be? You know, and just think about that, and even a, even a micro step, right? You know? uh, so so yep. that's that's good stuff. So yeah,
2: you don't yeah. have to have all the answers.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh and and I Greg I'll, I'll admit it that's probably one of my biggest issues is uh, I spend too much time consuming information and not enough time acting upon on that all that I mean I've I've read so many books it's it's unbelievable I don't you know I was thinking this week I don't know of anybody that's read more books than I do. I actually average over a book a day it's, has been my average over the mm. last four years. Oh, ever averaging a book a day. And, um, I was just, um, I was with, uh, John Lee Dumas last, last week. Uh, this was kind of neat. I had, uh, we had lunch and, and I saw him, he was a keynote speaker at this conference I was at. And, um, I gave him a copy of my book, which is kind of funny, but he's, he's got a, a New York times bestselling book that, that came out amazing stuff. And one quote in there that really hit me, uh, he talked about how, you know, sometimes you just, you know, you're learning, 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 and and, and you're consuming all this information and and all this, you're kind of a buildup. He says, sometimes you just need to walk up and hit the ball. It's (laughs) kind of like golf. You know, he says, just step up and hit the ball. You just need to do something and, and stop, you know, preparing and preparing and preparing. It's kind of like this, this podcast, Greg, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, we we've been preparing and and coming up with ideas and doing all kinds of stuff. And, and right now we're, we're here (laughs) and I'm excited. And (laughs) I I appreciate your input because, uh, you know, you've got a lot of really, uh, good ideas and good, uh, takes on, on life that, that you come from a different perspective than I do. And so, but yeah. So that, that's really cool stuff.
2: So I think uh, you were going to share from uh, your book with us today. You had a good uh, quote here, from Mr. John Maxwell.
1: Yeah, John Maxwell. I love him. Uh, he's kind of become, well, he is the guru on leadership. And he's written, oh, my gosh. Wow. 50 books, maybe? 45 it's, or 50 it's, books. It's, it's
2: well over 40. I don't know the number. It's, it's inspiring.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done, uh, I've got a, a a, um, a speaking coach. I do, you know, professional speaking, motivational speaking. And, and my coach is down uh, north, north of Atlanta, Georgia in Duluth area. And, and they've got a John Maxwell uh, uh, conference center down Mm -hmm. there uh, in Duluth, right off the interstate. I think it's 85 going North and John Maxwell, we've had uh, training, you know, our speaking training in that building that conference center, which is really cool and we got to to go in and and tour a little bit of where john maxwell's uh the equip ministry is at uh that that they put together and stuff and it has uh, on display it has all his different books that he wrote oh my goodness it was awesome it was like a whole wall like it's almost like a, a trophy case so to speak i mean it had them that's the way it was set up you know like you'd see in a school and it was really neat and it had all these different books and there were a lot of books, you know, and, and stuff. So, but this is a quote that I, um, that I took away from John Maxwell um, because a lot of my, well, like I said, on my TikTok videos, you know, I talk about your attitude and how critical that is in Mm -hmm. life every day. And so my finishing on fire book uh, is back in uh, okay. Like John Maxwell says, this is my quote, like John Maxwell says, with your attitude, you see difficulty in every opportunity, when you should be looking for opportunities in every difficulty. Mm. I yeah, I like that. You know, uh, and it's all your perspective. Like uh, Eddie Andrews says, it's all your attitude. Okay, a lot of people see the bad, the negative. You know, the difficulty in every opportunity. They see, oh, there's a problem. It won't work because of this, or it won't work because of that. He said when you should be looking for opportunities in every difficulty. And, and it's he's flipping your vision or the script, flipping the script on the mm-hmm. way most people kind of look at things. So I thought that was a really good quote.
2: Yeah, I love that. And <clears throat> I think um, it, it brought to when we were looking at that quote before the show, when I you know I read the, the book, obviously, um, and it brought to mind uh, the coach that you and I have in common, our mentor, um, Dan Miller. And, and, oh, and he that. says, yeah, we love Dan Miller, but he he says, when you come upon a, a, you know, a situation that maybe isn't the most pleasant thing to go through, um, you could have a disaster, a financial thing we have going on, whatever it, you know, what loss of a job, whatever it may be. Uh, the question he asks is what does this make possible? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those questions that first you mean, you know, you think you just lost your job and you go, what do you mean? What's this make possible? This isn't good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're, you're actually thinking this is disaster. Right. And and I remember um, Dan's wife, Joanne uh, mentioned this. She was talking to, um, oh, um, I'll think of him in a minute, but, uh, uh, one of their mutual friends and, and that's what she said you know they they quote this all the time what does this make possible and so their mindset is okay yeah it's a disaster but look at opportunities instead of looking at the disaster okay what's right. what's the opportunity within this and and that's just a it's a whole mindset thing and that's the thing I love about Dan Miller oh my gosh he's he's a thinker. He is constantly, and he sees the stuff, um, you know, that, that a lot of times we're blinded by or blinded to, uh, he sees these things. And I'm like, wow, that's a good way to look at that.
2: <laughs> right. It's kind of like retraining your mind, you know, in, in psychology terms and coaching, um, you know, professions, we talk a lot about uh, reframing things. Oh, yeah. And so is yeah. the it's a very you know, great um, question to help you reframe something. So, yeah,
1: yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. That's cool. Um, now where you want to talk about this story, uh, you talked about your outsourcing project. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. Or
1: how it changed <laughs> your life on a, you know, I mean, you run into something, I guess, through your career. So, so can you explain that? I know we had it in our notes here. So.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So. So, for our listener, what what Dave's referring to is uh, so I was an information technology um, executive, and I um, recommended, sponsored, and got approved by our board of directors the largest outsourcing project in the company's history. In fact, it was the largest contract signed in the company's history. Wow! <laughs> and so it was, um, and it wasn't done just to save money. That's what people think when they think about outsourcing. There were very, very important. Um, strategic reasons for uh, the company to do it because we were an organization that grew through mergers and acquisitions, and we needed to be able to expand and contract resources quickly so that it wouldn't be a holdup for us, uh, like when we bought a company or something like that. So as they say, best laid plans sometimes don't work out as advertised. So Uh, The short version of the story is um, I spent multiple years uh, attempting to get the outsourcing provider to perform as advertised and what the stipulations of the contract Um, that did not work out and it became apparent that frankly, um, I was, if I had stayed in the role, I would have had to go through the process of moving from that provider to a new provider, doing that whole transition. Uh, that would have easily been probably at least a couple more years by the time it was all cleaned up. So uh, I made the opportunity with uh, have been months and months of discussions with my wife that this, had, this was the exact time that we had been hoping for where I could leave the corporate world and to start my own um, coaching business. And so this was the catalyst to allow, allow that to happen. You know, it's one of those things where, from my perspective, I'm not a person that likes to, you know, quote, give up on things. But um, the personal toll, the price that I was paying through my health, my family, everything, it was the right in the big picture, it was the right thing to do. And it would help me realize a dream that I had been focusing on and kept saying, "Well, well, not now, not now, not now." <laughs> this this was the time, yeah. <laughs> so we so, made made it happen.
1: So, so okay, so you were in this messy situation. It, it was it was ugly on ugly on ugly. It was oh, strung yes. out over a long period of time, and it was just like a a, a, a a deep dark valley or rut that you were in, and and just you know, did Sherry then? your wife see that and, and say, Hey, you know, Greg, uh, let's look at this. You know, did she see some of the the problem that maybe you didn't or before you did or, or what did she see and help
0: you with?
2: Yeah. So this was was so stressful that, um, we were pretty well in tune with each other because it was, you know, I would be on, I was easily working for an extended period of time. Um, 70, 80, 90 hours a week for two years. And so I know there's a lot of people that work two jobs and so I, and all that, and may work those hours. uh, But the the load of stress on top, um, it was very common every day for me to show up at work or before I got to work. There would be, you know, the disaster or the crisis of the day where (laughs) it would take entire divisions of the company couldn't work that day. Or or something like that. The websites weren't working. It was super super stressful. It cost business for the organization. Uh, ultimately, a lawsuit ensued and and all that. Not with me, but <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I helped them win the lawsuit. But anyway, yes, she was super helpful in um, us navigating that together. Because yeah. if I'd tried to stuff that down and hide it, I would have I would have just melted down or just. Flamed out, exploded. And exploded.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get know, a fired up and exploded. I see Glenda over the years. You know, we've been married thirty six years, and and Glenda has she sees things that I don't, and and she tries to mm-hmm. get my attention. Sometimes I need a hammer uh, upside the head, but she will. I I tell her. I said, you know, if you want to get my attention, or if you want me to do something, I always tell her. I said, get your hands, both hands. Put them on my cheeks and look in my face, you know, look in my eyes and say, Dave, do this. <laughs> I don't want you to assume that I know what I need to be doing or whatever, but mostly it's with when she has things she wants me to be to be doing. You know, I tell her to to be direct, to be very direct. Don't don't guess or help me let me guess. But this thing here, you know, she sees things and and, and she has a whole different perspective. And when when your spouse, you know, comes to you with those things, you need to listen because um, they care about you and they care about, you know, the family, they care about all that. So, so I think you just need to be in tune to that and not, uh, you know, we talk about withdrawing or retreating, you know, from our spouse, retreating from friends, uh, retreating from work relationships, whatever. And so that's, that's so important
2: that we listen. Mm -hmm. so exactly yeah Yeah, yeah. okay so to move in a little lighter direction um (laughs) why don't we (laughs) why don't we uh why don't we talk (laughs) about one of dave's classic animal stories
0: and now it's time for wadsey's world yes dave wadsworth's true life animal stories
2: so for uh for our listener today, if you're a first time listener, um, Dave has a wealth of animal encounters. We'll call them. Uh, <laughs> I think the numbers, the numbers, forty three ish different animals. Though there's different versions for every animal, so I simply pull a number out of the air, and uh, Dave checks his list where he's cataloged all those stories and and shares one with us. So today is number twenty five. I'm gonna pick.
1: Number 25, and as I go through my list, this is, uh, <laughs> I've got some, you're right, Greg, I got so many animal stories, um, good, bad, and ugly, and 25 is actually chickens, <laughs> chicken stories, oh my All gosh, right. uh, chicken stories, what is a good chicken story? Um, I remember <laughs> when I was a little boy, my brother and I, and we'd go over to great, great Um uh Ayers was the name and uh, he had a chicken coop in the back and and the chicken coop was like a it was almost like one of these grain bins that you see a little bitty small thing um but <laughs> we'd go back there and we'd get a little chicken feed you know and we wanted to feed the chickens and the hens weren't a problem this thing was like a, it was almost like a little um wigwam you know the old indian wigwams it's kind Mm. of a a, you know roundish you know odd shaped thing and that's what it looked like to us it's kind of like a big you know wigwam we'd go in there and we'd try to give the chicks well the the hens they loved us but he had a rooster in there and that rooster was mean (laughs) and we usually have shorts on you know and 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 stuff and that rooster would just chase us and peck at us and and flap its wings and of course at that size we were we weren't very big kids you know five six years old and I remember that rooster scared us to death I mean <laughs> he looked like a giant you know to us he was probably I don't know uh, half our size you know as far as height and stuff and uh, man you talk about those were fun days but those were those were scary days and uh, and now I'm thinking that's ah, a rooster you know just you know, you don't know, shoo them away and stuff, but they were aggressive. That the rooster was the, the chickens, the hens, they were just fine. You know, they liked a little food and stuff, but, but we tried to get into that coop and my gosh, that rooster, he just, he was mean. I'm telling you, <laughs> so that was, that's, that's one of my memories of, of, uh, of trauma as a child. <laughs> oh,
2: oh my gosh.
1: where the rooster chased us boys around it was it was it was funny i don't know why we kept going back we must have not got learned our lesson the first time or second time so yeah but i remember Uh, that my gosh that's been oh 55 years isn't that crazy
2: oh my gosh no kidding (laughs) oh i love that oh wow yeah uh, roosters aren't known for being the most friendly uh (laughs) most friendly um,
1: aggressive and and so we we did have to retreat at that when they when the rooster would come we retreated quickly and so going along with the show yeah Uh, no retreat well that was a time you needed to or you they were just gonna peck the tar out of you
2: (laughs) But, but as you just said you kept coming back for more
1: we we did didn't we? <laughs> I don't know if we were brave or stupid. You know, <laughs> I think there's a, a fine line there somewhere. You know, or you know, but, you know. yeah,
2: you came back with a new yeah. plan each time. Yeah,
1: I, I know. We we thought, oh, it'll be different this time. You know, we'll we'll bring more food or whatever, or the rooster will be kind of, you know, maybe hiding somewhere out back. You know, and he won't be around. It's like nope, every time.
2: <laughs> oh, oh man, gosh. I love that. so um so our next special segment um manly movie moments
0: and now it's time for manly movie moments
2: you were going to share a um a a movie you recently watched again i've seen it let's see i've only seen it once though and it, it it definitely is one of my um top favorite movies uh, it really yeah. um, impacted me well, but tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, uh, we've got a mutual friend, Leslie Peters, uh, lives down in Dallas, Texas, and a uh, mm-hmm. good guy. He's Leslie's uh, very talented, really good with uh, financial. Um, he helps a lot of people with... Um, credit repair and, and dealing with all that, the, the credit and stuff. He's taught a lot of uh, college classes and, and different things, De- talented guy, but Leslie and I are actually uh, working on a podcast. And, and by the time this comes out, it may actually be out there. Who knows? But uh, it's called um, black and white men talking. And mm-hmm. basically we're sitting on a bench and uh, he's a, a big black fella. I'm a big white fella and we're just sitting there as friends talking and just you know figuring stuff out and i know in today's society there's a lot of media push on on anger and hatred and division and and all this mm-hmm. stuff and and who did this and who did that and 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 we're just being friends and we're just saying hey you know what no matter what ever everybody else wants to say let's figure it out you know uh right. let's talk about it let's let's just. You know, let's just be human beings, you know, and, and, and that's the way most people are. And, and Leslie and I both agree that, you know, there's 5% on one side and 5% on the other that they're just mean people and they want trouble. <laughs> but the other 90%, you know, uh, on each side and in the middle, okay, they just want to live life. They just want to have, and we basically have the same stuff that we want, you know we want to live uh you know a free life we want to have uh opportunities we want to uh have safe neighborhoods we want to have a a, a nice home to live in we want to have plenty of food and, and we want safety for our children we we want the same stuff and and i think for yeah. the most part uh we get along just fine and and it's just when people come in the mean people on both ends that that stirred up in the middle and um, and w- this movie you know it's manly movie moments um, we talk about retreat and and this movie called green book g-r-e-e-n green book and it's um it's about a relationship there's there's two guys uh the one gentleman is is a um he's an italian uh in new york and he's a rough guy and he's kind mm-hmm. of a kind of a bouncer uh kind of a guy uh with a uh, he's got a reputation of of uh taking care of business. You know, if if there's any trouble, he's going to take care of it. And, uh, and his family's uh, fairly isolated, I guess they're in their own community of Italians and and they're fairly, fairly prejudiced, but they don't, you know, they don't act, you know, they don't go out actively looking for trouble. And the other gentleman is a Dr. Donald Shirley, and he is a a black gentleman and very accomplished, uh, amazing pianist. And he plays uh, all kinds of, uh, of just amazing music on the piano. And he has his own trio. It's, it's um, him and, uh, and a couple guys, they have a bass fiddle and something else. And he plays the piano and he is like world renowned. Um, so educated. He, uh, he knows several languages, just a very sophisticated man. And, but they're just kind of thrust together because Donald Shirley, um, he's going on a tour. And uh, the movie talks about having a, a two month tour and ending up around christmas back in the early 60s and mm-hmm. i know greg you had uh, so, done some research and it actually the, the tour went on i don't know a year and a half two years or whatever yep. extended period of time but this tour uh, uh donald shirley dr shirley wanted to go down in the deep south and perform and uh he really wanted to figure out you know himself, how he could deal with uh, the prejudice, the bigotry, the racism and all the ugliness. And he, he was wanting to face it and do his part really to um, I think to break the barriers and, and, and break down some of these, these ridiculous mm-hmm. barriers that, that people had. And he was, uh, he was willing to do this. And, and the thing about it was, it, while he played up in the Northern States uh, when he started the tour you know, for the most part, everything's good. But when he moved south and, and he performed, I think in, um, I believe it was North Carolina, uh, Georgia, Alabama, um, some, oh, Louisiana and stuff, he encountered some real ugly, uh, hateful people. And, and, uh, and a lot of them are trying to be nice, but they were being ugly too. And, and so, um, but I know uh, Dr. Shirley, he was facing. The big bad giant of, of prejudice and racism, and and he was not retreating from it because mm-hmm. they, uh, his band members talked to uh, this uh, Tony Lip um, Valalonga, who was kind of his has become his chauffeur and 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 protector, and also he made sure he got him from from uh, um, uh, um, what do you call it? I guess event to event uh, right. that he had to perform at, and he made sure that that was his job to do that, and and he did a great job of doing that but um, the band member said, Hey, Dr. Shirley, he did not have to come down here and, and, you know, go through all this ridicule, all this, this racism and all this ugly stuff. He could have stayed up North and and been just fine. And he had, he got paid double what he was making on this tour wow. and no hassle and not having a hassle. And he actually was living uh, above Carnegie hall in New York. And he was, that was his place. And it was like a, an apartment is like a palace. It was amazing, but this guy was so talented. And yet um, the, the clash between him and, and, and Tony Lipp, the, the driver, the Italian driver, and, and then going South and, and some of the things that he overcame, but he wanted to to grow as a man and see that he could face this stuff and not retreat from it. And, and his relationship with Tony become so amazing how they both mm-hmm. Were transformed through this, uh, and and they both, you know, were strong-willed men, obviously, and they didn't want to retreat. And I, I was really, it's it's really a good movie, um, and and it just it shows a lot of history of what how things were, and how um, ugly we can be, if if we've got a frame of mind that that just sees certain things about people. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to bring this up. I got to tell us one of the things that was so funny. Uh, Tony Lip, the Italian guy, he's trying to teach Dr. Shirley about, um, you know, the, the typical um, things that that black folks like. And he was talking about foods and uh, and he talked about the story of chickens. Well, they stopped. They were going through Kentucky and they stopped and got Kentucky fried chicken. Well, Dr. Shirley had never had fried chicken. He just, you know, uh, he had quite a, um, a history of, you know, very, uh, very expensive, t- not expensive taste, but very, you know, more of a, a cultured taste, I guess, you know. But it oh, was yeah. funny that Tony had to teach him. You know, he says, hey, he stopped and got a bucket of fried chicken and Kentucky fried chicken. He says, oh, man, this is so good. You got to have some, you know. And his Dr. Shirley, no, 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 leave me alone. He's in the back seat. <laughs> Finally, he gets him. To, to eat a chicken leg, you know, and and he's like, well, this is pretty good, you know, and 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 then he gets him to eat, it, you know, thigh or something, and it's funny. Then they went to a um, a mansion in in the, the south, and <laughs> and the staff had told, uh, you know, the leadership there, the owner of the home, and all this stuff said, uh, you know, they said, here, if you want to you know provide a meal for Doctor Shirley, this is the kind of meal that he would like. And they brought out a big plate of fried chicken and it was funny. And Tony looks across the table and he points and says, see, you know, that's, that's, you know, what, because he was just kind of the opposite of a typical, you know, uh, uh, black person as far as that goes. But Tony's like, man, isn't this what you folks like, you know? And it was funny that he was teaching him, you Mm -hmm. know, and and then all of a sudden there they are. It's just funny. And, and we need to, um, I think sometimes as I get older I need to laugh at myself more and uh, realize that I think things and 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 I've I've had paradigms and it's like you know it's silly some of the things that I've carried and not mean or hateful stuff but just kind of silly things and, uh, and that movie really busted some of that stuff up it was it was pretty good so highly recommend that but uh, it was it was just it's just a good movie of not retreating in the face of um just meanness and mm-hmm. uh hatred and bigotry and racism and 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 tony uh tony and uh dr shirley teamed up and they took it on it was it was pretty amazing so yep that's our manly movie moment
2: <laughs> yeah i really i really appreciated that movie and you know part of what you said there about um you know kind of you want to say it pitting paradigms together you know you yeah. could have you know the the cool part about the movie is that it's actually a a real story it's not just something that somebody made up and said oh wouldn't it be interesting to put these two people in this position Mm -hmm. well no they put themselves into that position and just seeing all those um you know stereotypes and um, uh pushed against one another and 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 like you said uh dr shirley was really from a whole nother cultured world and even he Probably thought as you just pointed out when he went to the South, he didn't fit the stereotype, so to speak. Yeah. And yeah. So there were even yeah. some of those things for both those people to reckon with, with their own cultures, but also with each other. I thought that's what was cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you know, and the whole movie, the name of the the movie Green Book is actually about a green book mm-hmm. that that had a listing of the hotels where a and maybe restaurants too, but I know it's hotels where um, Black folks could stay when they traveled, okay? And this Green Book said, okay, these are hotels that you can stay in because most of the hotels wouldn't let them stay. Uh, and it was sad. It, and you think about that and you thought, man, that is ridiculous. And it just right. it broke your heart. To think of of you know uh, people being treated this way it just just made you sick but that yeah they had this green book and they they would look through it and say okay when you're in this location uh, these are the one or two you know hotels or motels that you can stay in you know and and you're accepted there and and a lot of times they were in separate hotels uh, because it would have a, a, a negroes only you know, hotel and 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 then he Tony Lip would be maybe a block away at another hotel. And it just just made you yeah, you know, sick at your stomach to think of people being treated, you know, in that that fashion and stuff. But yeah, that's what the movie, the, the title was Green Book. So if people didn't realize that, that kind of explains a little bit. So
2: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, appreciate you sharing that with us. That remembrances, yeah, you remembered a lot more details than I did. Um <laughs> So we, uh, so ready to take us out today, Dave, and wrap us up with the two-minute warning. And now
0: it's time for the two-minute warning. Yes, let's do that. Let's do
1: that. Uh, tell you what, we we like to talk about, you know, finishing on fire and and living every day, and making it your best day. And looking at your life and your relationships, your situations, and and doing the best you can and, and refocusing every day because yesterday's mm-hmm. gone, you know, tomorrow's not not here, but today is is the day that you own it and, and really own the day. And so we like to have and, and being a football fan. I like the two-minute warning because it's like, okay, it's crunch time. It, it's time to, to take action. And, and Greg, I know um, we like to help people take action. And, and it's a very yep. simple step. Like you said, maybe it's a micro step, but this is, this is a simple step, and here's what I want you to do, okay? You got to think about this. What in your life are you resisting and retreating from? Okay. What in your life, think of this, what in your life are you resisting and retreating from? Okay. And all you have to do, here's what you do. You got to name it. All right. Pull that question out, you know, round, you know, put it in your mind and, 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 and take it around and round and say, okay, what is it that I'm resisting or retreating from? And your first step is like the big elephant in the room, you know, we're, is it? Well, we've been hiding it. Okay. You just need to name it. So write it down. And once you do that, I think it's going to open up, open up your mind to the next step. Once you finally verbalize what that issue is, I, I believe that's where you're going to be. So that's, that's our warning. That's our step. That's our single step.
0: Thank you for listening to the finishing on fire radio show. Be sure to visit finishingonfire.com for more great content. Go light your world.